0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost, and my guest today is Jenny Gilbert. Jenny's an endurance rider who was the first rider to win a national novice championship with a perfect score. That was on her horse, Flurry. They've also won the overall supreme championship twice. Jenny's a former director of Endurance Great Britain, and she was the chair of the Ride and Rules Committee. Plus, for 30 years, she's been the County Access Officer for West Yorkshire. Jenny's going to explain all about endurance and how you can get involved with saving our Bridalway access routes. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Today we're talking about endurance because it's a subject that we don't talk about enough I don't think. So I'd like to welcome Jenny Gilbert. She has been a director for Endurance Great Britain. She was on the board and she as a secretary runs quite a few of endurance events around the UK. On top of that she's a rider herself and she's a volunteer and works on the access team for the British Horse Society. Jenny how are you?
2: Fine, thank you very much. It's been a hectic week as usual.
1: (laughs) It's always busy in the world of horses.
2: (laughs) Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) How are you coping with the dark nights coming in earlier?
2: Well, I'm very lucky because I don't work anymore. I'm able to choose my time for riding. Oh, how lovely. Uh, But um, this time of year is the quiet time. Uh, We normally start in January bringing them up and training properly for the new season Mm. So this is the calm before the storm.
1: <laughs> when many people say this is the storm because it's nightmare, it's cold, it's wet, <laughs> it's miserable. This is the worst of the year really, isn't it?
2: <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs> so so for endurance then, when do you start training for the next season?
2: Uh, traditionally, we start straight after Christmas. Mm. Um, but because we, you are always building on the previous year's fitness, you're not starting from the beginning again. Um, so you're building on a, a layer upon layer as the horse gets older it gets fitter more easily
1: building up the muscles i guess and the stamina yes. and so yes. don't, was- don't they lose that throughout the winter though if you don't train
2: no. oh really no no, the the underlying fitness stays. You have to get the um, you know the legs, the ligaments and tendons, you know, sort of um, hardened up a little bit, and you you start with walking and so on. But you're actually starting at a higher level than the previous year, and mm. so you don't have to you know start at the very short distances if you don't want to.
1: Mm. So, what got you into endurance in the beginning?
2: Um, I had a pony that liked to go quite fast and used to love exploring Um, she wasn't suitable for you know jumping or dressage or anything like that but we loved exploring so that's how I got into it I read um, Anne Highland's book on a hundred mile ride and it just inspired me to find out about it and take the plunge
1: Oh, I think it's lovely. I think quite often when I hear of um, of uh, riders in in other bigger countries like Australia and America, and they go on trail rides for days,
2: mm-hmm. and and
1: I imagine—I mean, I don't know—I've never done endurance, but I imagine that's a bit what it's like. It can be like that.
2: Yes, yes, it is. You're you're, you're going to new areas and exploring, um, and the horses are, love going to different places. It's you know they they pick up their ears and they're off and away.
1: So you must have such a good bond and such good trust between each other, between the horse and the rider.
2: Yes, you've got to enjoy spending hours with your horse. If you don't, it won't work. Mm. Um, You know, you've got to have come to an agreement about, you know, how the horse behaves on these occasions (laughs) and, you know, really enjoy your Enjoy your horse's company.
1: Yeah, a lot of us love our horse's company, but we're not brave enough to, to go out for hours and hours and hours. I have this fear, if I go too far, then I panic because I think, oh gosh, it's going to take me an, an two hours to get home. And that freaks me out <laughs> enough.
2: <laughs> so I have you this two-hour window. <laughs> well, that's, that's why the, you know, the pleasure rides uh, and fun rides are useful because it, it gets you started mm. and gives you more confidence in what you're doing. And helps your map reading. So then you can, when you're feeling a little bit braver, you can tackle a little bit longer distance and so on and and progress as you want. Because as a sport, it requires quite a large time commitment. So you usually find that your, the distance or the classes that you can enter is determined by the amount of time you have available.
1: Well, at the time that you have available to ride, or yes, yes, yes. Uh, I see. Mm-hmm. So, so what are the different distances?
2: Uh, well, the shortest rides are, you know, they, they can go from like ten k right up to one hundred and sixty k. Wow. Uh, and How some, long does that take? The 160 takes a full day.
1: Goodness.
2: <laughs> so 10, 10, 11 hours, that sort of thing. Gosh, your bottom must be so strong. No, <laughs> it's not. That's some, something always, people always say, but it. You're not just sitting in the saddle, you know, you're joining in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I guess, yes, because you've got to walk and, and you do some running alongside it. So do you have to really work on your long distance running too? No,
2: I I, I don't run because I find my horse can go faster than I can. So you have to really concentrate on you being as fit as your horse so that you can ride in balance. Uh, because the last thing your horse needs is for you to be bobbling around on the back you know mm. you've, you've got to keep your concentration and your horse has to keep its concentration as well mm. um, otherwise it just won't work <laughs>
1: yeah i can imagine um jenny you've been doing this a long time you're working for the uh, volunteering for the bhs for over 30 years mm-hmm. so how how has the sport changed since when you began
2: there's so many more roads um I mean, most riding areas are under threat by either new roads, new railway lines, new housing estates. Mm. It's very difficult now to find enjoyable riding routes. Um, And it's, you know, it's not going to get any easier. Um, I don't know how it's going to work in the future. Because people just won't have access to the countryside the same way as we have.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel I'm very lucky because I live near the New Forest. So Mm. we have what I consider to be hours of hacking. However, we don't have a full day of hacking. So for endurance riders, it would be like popping around the block.
2: Yes. I mean, any any area becomes, you know, a bit samey if you do it year after year. But you know, if you haven't got the bridle paths to start with, I mean, lots of riders now can only ride round and round in a school. They haven't got any riding outside. Mm. And I think that is such a shame because they're missing out on a large chunk of enjoyment with their horse.
1: Mm. It makes it harder, especially when you're trying to find somewhere to go to move your horse to as well. Hacking is quite a big thing. and Yes. yes. And with, with, like you said, such little <laughs> land around, it mm. means that we're not really, well, we're either not exercising our horses to the best ability, we're not giving them the best education because we just don't have the facilities for it.
2: Well, they're not going to... Uh, be exposed to all the different types of surfaces uh, because horses that you know just train in a school they're not as robust and tough as those that you know go up and down stones and hills and you know they learn to balance themselves it's they just don't end up as tough so they risk injury.
1: So what sort of thing what training do you have to do with your horse in the early stages to get them ready for their first endurance ride?
2: They start with uh, walking for a few weeks just to get them back into the way of it. And then you start introducing trot. You do things slowly and steadily. And you take them over different sorts of surfaces so that they get their balance, establish balance at every pace. Mm. And then you start including hills up and down. And then you start going to some rides so that you can use them as training rides.
1: And is there a young age limit where, you know, a minimum age where, where people could go and have a go at endurance?
2: You do get lead rain classes, but by and large, children <laughs> I'd start... i need that, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> can that go for 33-year-old nope, adults lead, as lead well? lead is for <laughs> little people, <laughs> yeah. but normally they, so they can start at like eight. I mean, Pony Club have got endurance classes, so... Um, they can start enjoying their ponies. But a lot of people are who, who join the sport are people that have come back to horses after, you know, having a family and all the rest of it. Um, mm. So there's quite a few middle-aged people doing it. But that doesn't mean to say we're all old and stayed and all the rest of it. <laughs> we have a very good time. <laughs> yeah, I
1: bet you do. <laughs> do you take a bottle of drink out with you?
2: <laughs> no, but... A lot of rides are uh, run over a weekend, they're multi-day rides. So there's quite a, a social aspect and it's been known for several bottles of wine to be produced.
1: <laughs> so, so I guess on those weekends then, what, what, what do you do? You take your horses out, you ride for yeah. hours and then do you camp or do you, um, do you stay in bed and breakfast? Where do you stay?
2: Well, people choose which they want, you know, where they want to stay. Most horses are corralled. Mm. Uh, you know with electric fencing and they love that so they really like they really settle to that Um, and then you either stay in your trailer your horse box or if you're feeling like a bit of luxury they do b&b but there's a very good social side of endurance so um, we enjoy it
1: it sounds really good fun however i'm thinking my horse will freak out if i have to take him for hours hacking in different places he can only just about cope with knowing the route that he's got now so i'm guessing you have to have a particular breed or a particular temperament to be able to do endurance riding
2: well, you have to have a horse that enjoys, you know, going out and exploring, mm. and is confident in its own, you know, its own company. Because you can't always assume you will be riding with somebody. You can ride with friends, or you can ride by yourself, whichever suits your horse better. Um, and many times you meet somebody on a ride, and the horses get on really well, and you you'll ride with them for the whole time. Mm. Uh, and that's great because that's another friend. So, um, you know, it a lot of it really depends on your horse but most horses really do enjoy it um, and they go zooming off and enjoying themselves so (laughs) and what horse do you have well since my old horse you know that was the champion everything uh, (laughs) died unfortunately last year at 21 um, rather suddenly so that was fairly traumatic Um, but I've got a younger one called Alfie and he's He enjoys endurance he's a very all-round type of horse uh, in that he's good at jumping and cross-country and all sorts of things like that as well as endurance Uh, but he's done he's an advanced endurance horse now so that's good
1: and what breed is he
2: He's Connemara as well.
1: Oh, well, lovely. <laughs> That's nice because Connemaras are quite good first-time horses, aren't they? For for first-time horse owners. Because I always thought it was a, an Arab that you needed to go to endurance.
2: Most people have got Arabs. There are a lot of Arabs competing in endurance. But you don't need an Arab. You just need a horse that enjoys being out mm. and has reasonable recovery rates. You know it's there are some Arabs around that can't do endurance like any breed it's you know it's no guarantee of success but um you know I've been fairly lucky i've I've had two good horses, so
1: I'm sorry to hear that you lost one last year. That must have been horrific for you, especially when it was it was, was very sudden mm,
2: yes, um I mean he was the one that he was novice champion and he was supreme champion twice. And he won everything that you know was put to him. So, um, and it was because of him um, that I got involved with Horsage. You know, they've supported me for ten years now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, because getting success is never just your efforts. It's always a team effort. So, you know, you, you've got to have your physio and your farrier and your nutritionist and all the rest of it to to make everything just right mm-hmm. when you make. You know, when you ask your horse to do these things, he, you know, you need to make everything as right as you can.
1: Horse welfare, I hear, is um, is a huge part of Endurance Great Britain, isn't it? Um, yes. But we do hear... I, I, Bearing in mind, Jenny, I know nothing about endurance at all, Mm -hmm. I'll be very honest. Um, And I I feel like there's a 50-50 divide between people that love endurance and people that don't know much about it. And then you've got a small percentage of people that are saying, you're hearing all these negative um, things about it, saying it's bad for the horse. And I don't understand because I don't know enough as to why they're saying these negative things.
2: Well, there's always... Going to be some people there's the same in every sport that just go that little bit too far and forget You know forget what the purpose of or the object of the exercise is and you know they push too hard Um, And there will always be those sort of people You know who who are just prepared to risk too much Mm -hmm. for the sake of their sport Um, but endurance as a whole is more has more vetting controls than any other discipline and you know our horses are checked every um 25 miles every 40k or even less so that you know the vet is keeping an eye and they're very knowledgeable vets so they are keeping an eye and if they're not happy they will just say no you can't go out and mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. there's no appeal to it so you know on the in the riding side of things you're you've got that at the back of your mind that somebody is keeping an eye on your horse Mm, that's Uh, good and that and that's a reassurance you know but you know accidents happen it's it's one of those things horses have got a death wish sometimes <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah and they can spook and you there's things that horses do that we don't necessarily all have control over um, That's I, right. I was just mm. interested I guess because I, I haven't heard anybody say um, endurance has this bad impact or endurance damages the horse's legs or there's no, there's no specific point to um, endurance being bad it's just oh no I don't like it Well, I wanted to get to the root of why people don't like it. And and I honestly think it's because we don't know enough about it. Um, I think,
2: yes, I think you're right. I think people don't understand that you can actually ride your horse for, you know, five, six hours and enjoy it. You know, because uh, dressage, jumping, cross country, they're all things where you just go and ride for like three, four minutes Mm. and then you get off. But with endurance, you're with your horse and riding it for several hours and you've got to prepare for that, obviously. But it's just so totally different to what most people do.
1: Mm. And the heart rate of the horse has to be under a certain amount, doesn't it? What does it need to be under by the time you get to the next um, checkpoint?
2: It has to be under sixty-four to pass, or sixty-four and under to pass the vet. Um, but you know, there's there's degrees of it. Obviously, if it's up in the eighties, then you have got you know you are concerned but horses as soon as you stop it's the recovery time that's important it's not the actual high heart rate it's how long they actually take to recover because any horse when you've been going fast will have a high heart rate Mm. so then you get off and the horse will have learnt to relax at that point and the heart rate will drop but obviously if it's hot day or your horse isn't prepared for the distance that you've been competing in, um, the heart rate may stay higher than you would, would, would like. Mm.
3: So it's not necessarily
2: a very bad thing, but it's not what you want to happen. You know, you want it to come down nicely.
1: Mm. So when we, look at, um, when we look at eventing, as soon as the horse has finished the cross-country course, there's grooms there waiting to throw water on him and call him mm-hmm. down, and, you know, yeah. they're walking them round. You can't do that at every checkpoint, though, can you?
2: No during the ride we have crew spots and your crew will meet you and pass you sloshes and the horse will have the opportunity to drink and eat and so on um, and then it when it goes into um, the vet gates again it is it's checked by the vet thoroughly and then it has an opportunity to eat drink and relax mm. um, so you know we have to follow this rigorous Control of the horse so that uh, problems are picked up early.
1: I think it's great. When I look in America and I see the cowboys that go out for days on end, you know, <laughs> riding around, they don't have checkpoints and water, and well, they have water, but they no, don't have
2: no, but you know, they groups. they don't generally go at speed for very long
1: <laughs> yeah no that's true that's true it's it's really interesting to compare the different disciplines and and see how what see what people do with their horses but mm. also that welfare is the most important thing It is oh, about yes. looking after them and yeah. um, I, I, I had the pleasure of meeting Nikki Thorne a few months ago I went to visit her in her yard and yeah. I found it fascinating Um, the bridles that you use um, and the head collars that you use can you explain your head collar to us
2: the, the, the clip bridle, clip off, uh, well, yeah. we, we normally have synthetic tack because uh, an awful lot of water is poured over the horse during a ride. Um, and we also generally have a combined bridle and head collar so that the bit can be dropped out of the horse's mouth during the holds at the vet gates. Um, and so the horse can then eat comfortably mm. rather than being hindered by a bit.
1: I think it's a genius idea. I think we should all use them because it's it's a it's almost like a quick it's a quick release. So I think when yeah. I want to take Blackjack to my horse to competitions, I really don't like having to put the head collar take the head collar off have yes. him with nothing on and then put it's the bridle a scary on. second <laughs> it is yeah because you think gosh what if something happens it's we're in a new place yeah. there's new horses what's he going to do so to have that head collar that you can just slip on a bridle over to the top and it clips on well the
2: whole the whole thing works as one unit mm. right you just drop the uh, bit out if you want to but at the back of the bridle is a um, uh, uh, what do you call it Hook so that you can actually uh, put a, he- a lead rope straight onto the head collar portion of the um, combination bridle. You see, if you can follow that, yeah, no, I
1: can. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to go and buy one. So, um, where can we get them from? Um, you get yours from?
2: I get mine from Performance Equestrian, um, it's a jolly bright blue one, <laughs> <laughs> but you can have any color. I mean, you could have a nice shiny black one if you wanted. Mm, yeah, fabulous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and so moving forward to the other bits of the tack, what, your saddle, what are your saddles like? Because they've got to be really comfy to hold you in the whole time and also to make sure that it doesn't rub underneath the horse.
2: That's right. The saddle is very, very important. Um, just going back to the bridle, we normally have a, a breast um, girth as well, you know, to make sure that you can hold the saddle in place exactly. You know, if you're going down a steep hill or up a, a steep hill. Mm. um and then um i have a general purpose saddle um it's a leather saddle but it's a gp working hunter rather um and i've always used working hunter because first and foremost you go for a saddle that fits your horse and you um some people aren't successful um in finding you know working hunter one and then they start going on to the endurance ones but it's not absolutely necessary you can accomplish you know many miles with um, a good fitting working hunter or general purpose saddle
1: okay that's good to know thank you um,
2: my old horse he did more than 8,000 kilometers in successfully in competition and we had the same saddle for all of that all those miles Wow
1: my gosh Jenny what do you do when if something happens when you when you're in the middle of when you're miles away
2: well, nowadays, we all have phones, so it's not yeah. so bad. <laughs> and everybody, you know, is coming past you. You know, the other riders will be around. So if there's a problem, and there's checkpoints as well. So, you know, there's always ways and means of sorting things out. And luckily, the, you know, accidents and problems don't happen that often. So mm.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
1: Mm, That's good. Yeah, I guess you're right about the phones. But that moves me back onto something you mentioned earlier about map reading. So originally you had to read maps so that you knew where you were going. Um, Mm -hmm. That's great. Are you allowed to use GPS now?
2: Um, Yes, people have GPSs on their phones, but you are essentially working from a map and your route is marked with spray arrows or something like that. So you have got the confidence that you are on the right track. Mm.
1: unless you're me and you don't know your right from your left and you go the wrong way which could <laughs> quite easily happen
2: <laughs> most most people can cope with arrows
1: <laughs> okay so part of the map reading then and you had mentioned earlier about um, the roads and more roads are being developed and they're yep. taking away our bridal ways so you're, you're a volunteer for BHS and and you work on the access routes
2: and mm-hmm. um, that's what, right
1: what do you do for that
2: well quite a lot of the routes that we ride are not actually uh, shown on the map as bridleways. And so those routes have to be researched because in 2026 um, there is a, a law that the old routes will basically disappear if they haven't been claimed. Oh, no. Um, so it's a bit scary. Um, so I've researched paths you know, by going to the archives in the Public Record Office, and looked at the old documents from 1850 or whatever, and put together a case for the route being confirmed as a bridleway on the definitive map.
1: Oh wow! Thank you. <laughs> Have you done that for the whole of the UK?
2: No, I concentrate on Yorkshire.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, because if it, I'm sure there's there's the one. Isn't there one person in each county that's doing this?
2: Yes, yes. Each each county has access officers, and other people that are working on the same thing. But it's a mega problem, um, and really, you know, the more people that will join in, the better. Because if we don't get these paths recorded on the map correctly, we are in danger of losing them, and you know that will you know substantially reduce the amount of riding we've got. Mm.
1: What will happen if they're not registered on the map and, and, and we lose them as such? Do they close them or...?
2: They will close and we can't get them back.
1: So if you're... OK, let's say you're in Yorkshire and you know of um, an access route that you'd like to get recorded. How would they do that? Would they get in touch with you?
2: They can get in touch, yes. Yes, And the, but there's similar people, as I say, all over the place. So their nearest one would be best. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will be delighted to you know any offers of help and they'll show them how you know what to do Mm. but researching is very interesting but it is very time consuming
1: yeah i bet it is especially having to go that far back and look at maps previously yes you have to go and ride the routes as well to make sure they're still safe
2: well you you don't have to ensure that they're open because you there's an old rule that it wants a highway always a highway so, if you can find the evidence, even though you can't find anybody that's ever written written something, you can actually put the evidence forward to the council. Oh, that's
1: good. And would they go onto the BHS website to look at who to contact?
2: Yes, yes. There's there's information on the website, and as I say all the the access officers, very enthusiastic and wanting to meet people that have written or know of routes that are in danger.
1: Well thank you very much for taking the time to do that because I don't have the time to do that and I'm sure lots of people are working full-time and trying to do their horses and and we're just really grateful because without you putting in that effort and that time we're going to lose those access routes and then we won't have anywhere to ride and then we'll just sit in our ivory towers moaning
2: about it but we haven't actually <laughs> done anything about it. <laughs> so I'll, thank you. I'll give you a An example of the extent of the problem in the old west riding area three and a half thousand paths were downgraded to footpath during the definitive map process so potentially three and a half thousand could have been put on as bridleways and weren't and why weren't they um basically because at the time the people that did the surveys uh it was straight after the war didn't know what was you know what should have been a that it should have been a horse route as opposed to a footpath Mm. there was a lack of knowledge because they were just volunteers that did it you know like boy scouts or somebody from another area so they didn't actually they weren't able to identify the routes correctly and so they were put on or a landowner might say oh I don't want people going in that area and you know blocking them off. Mm. i get so, that
1: because some some landowners they have public footpaths that go through the middle of their fields mm-hmm. um which would drive me insane when i moved to hertfordshire i was looking for somewhere to put blackjack and the last thing i wanted was strangers walking through the mid- the field you know the middle yeah. of the day because you don't know what they're mm-hmm. going to do with your horse mm. that's um, right so yeah no it's, it's it's a tricky one
2: but you know if you if you wanted to move it divert it round the edge the council will charge you a couple of thousand pounds to do it, God, even though
3: it's they?
2: you know, even though it's to the benefit of the public and to the landowner, but mm. uh, you know, the councils haven't got the resources. I mean, that's the the other aspect. So, mm.
1: so the main thing is, then we log our routes, we go onto the BHS website, we contact our local access officer and say and, and offer some help.
2: Which yes, would be great. Okay, I which will, will be help. gratefully received. Yes. <laughs>
1: Um, now, part of your work that you've been doing is, I mentioned earlier, is you organise some rides. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was in September, North Elms, Elmsall,
2: Emsall, yep. North mm-hmm.
1: Emsall. And um, I, I was just having a look through and it says here, ride details. It's description, bridleways, short stretch of road, undulating, some road crossings proximity to railway lines, estimated 0%, and tarmac, 5%. I think that's great. I think if someone could do that for me when I go on my hacks, that would be amazing as to how many cars I'm going to pass. Um, but that that's obviously for a guide for anybody that wants to take part. I mean, this particular one was yes. um, 40 kilometres um, novice and then 25 kilometres PR. So what, that's right. what, first of all, the descriptions. How can those... How do you get to those descriptions? What what does that mean?
2: What the ride descriptions? Yeah, for someone are, that's interested in going give, on the ride, yeah. give people a guide because um, because of it being an urban ride, I didn't really want people coming with novice horses that haven't seen exciting things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I want people to enjoy it, and so I feel it's only right to you know tell them that or give them a brief idea what the ride is going to be like. I think
1: it's a brilliant uh, idea, but here it says, um, uh, I was just wondering if you could, you know, the the fact that there's only 5% tarmac is brilliant, because I'm presuming that means most of it's in the countryside.
2: Well, they're urban tracks. Uh, Around here we have a lot of disused railway lines, and they provide ideal off-road routes, basically, for horses, riders, horse riders, cyclists and walkers. Um, and you can go for miles on them; they're brilliant. Mm. Um, we've also, with it being um, a coal mining area, uh, a lot of the collieries have closed down, but they've restored the areas into country parks. Ah. Um, so again, we can ride round those, um, avoiding the roads. So in that particular area, North Emsel, we have actually got quite a lot of good riding but you know when you look at the map you think that's a bit urban (laughs) (laughs) so we have to it's nice to introduce people to an area and you know show them that there is actually nice places (laughs)
1: yeah no of course and and did you create this ride so did you go and ride it yourself put it all together pick the routes
2: well with my co-organizer we um we worked out the route and then you organize all the officials uh you know the vets and the farrier and so on and the uh road crossing stewards and the checkpoint stewards you know all the volunteers that we need to run a ride Mm -hmm. um and then um sit back and hope that people come that must
1: be nice for you though it's the next stage of your riding career isn't it to be able to go and explore and and find a route that you think this is really good fun i think people will love this and Mm. then put it together for them to ride what are your hard and fast rules then for people that want to attend one of your rides
2: well, if they have any queries, then it's better to give the ride organiser a ring, you know, and talk talk it through. If, they, if they're new, then just pick up the phone or email them, you know, have a, have a chat through. Because we've all been through the, you know, the first ride phase and it can be a bit scary. And quite often we can introduce riders to another person so they've got somebody to keep them company that's nice Um, and what about
1: for the younger riders that that want to or parents of younger riders that you know are considering letting their children have a go
2: well it's a great sport in that the whole family can join in because quite often you see the mother and child riding together and then the the father is there crewing Um, and meeting them out on the ride that sounds just that
1: sounds about right Jenny they bring the (laughs) hay the feed and they brush the horses (laughs) and they're there to take
2: photos (laughs) that's it very important Uh, I mean the longer when you get get on to the longer rides you you are very dependent on a good crew so it is a really important role it's not just you know making some job up You, you, you are totally dependent on somebody that you trust to look after your horse during the ride because you as the rider has have to recover in the same way as the horse does in the holds.
1: Mm. When we were talking about the breeds of horses and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what would be right for endurance, you said any horse as long as they're pretty much sane and confident and bold and um, yeah but but like you said Arabs tend to be used more I why is that why because in in my head I'm thinking well Arabs are very fine they have very fine legs I, I couldn't imagine they wouldn't have been my first choice for an endurance horse
2: I don't know I mean they are always they've, they're supposed to be very tough well they are very tough mm. um, but why it's happened you know that they've they've got such a a large proportion in endurance I don't know whether it's from because of overseas riders I don't know um I've I've always gone for the non-Arab so
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Connemara would be my choice because they they're they're breeding they tend to be quite easy don't they they've got good temperaments generally obviously not all Connemaras are the same but
2: no (laughs) (laughs) like
1: I said earlier good first pony to have um so that's sometimes they have a very
2: definite character
1: do they yes (laughs) (laughs) go on what's yours done
2: Um, uh, well, I mean, they've got to be, or they tend to be characters in their own right, simply they, the best horses tend to be like that, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but they've, they've got a definite view on what they should be doing, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you get, you know, you get all sorts of breeds, uh, New Forest, Dales, Fells, all sorts um, coming into Endurance. And they can all do it to a certain level. But like any anybody in any sport, you know, you've got to do the training. Mm. And not all horses will advance to very long distances. The same way as everybody can run 10 yards, but not everybody can run 100 metres.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it's knowing your horse enough, I guess, to know when they've had enough and when they can't go on much longer.
2: Well, that's, that's where the vets come in. As well as yourself, mm. uh, you will know when your horse isn't right because you spend so many hours with it. Um, you'll pick up the small points that aren't, you know, the small pointers that aren't quite right. I guess it's uh, also
1: okay. important to say that you can't just take your horse out tomorrow and go for an eleven-year, you know, eleven-year, eleven-hour hack.
2: No. Um, no.
1: I- I- do you have to? Do you train them in stages?
2: It takes about three years training to get to you know for the horse to be fit enough to do the longer distances and you've got to plan quite a long way in advance to you know his training program for that ride it's Mm. not something you you, as you say you you don't wake up and think oh I'll just go and do 160k
1: Mm. no I mean I wouldn't wake up tomorrow and do a 3k run so I definitely (laughs) wouldn't put my (laughs) horse through that (laughs) You
2: should you should come and try it, yeah.
1: Jenny. I'll be the one in the middle of the field, in the middle of nowhere, phoning nine nine nine, going, I'm freaking out. I've panicked. <laughs> get me home somehow. I need a horsebox taxi to come pick me
2: up. It's all right. We'll just give you a buddy and tell you to get on with it.
1: Do you know, it would it is something that really interests me, and I I would I would love to to get to that stage. I've talked previously on the podcast about wanting to go out for for a much longer time on my horse because you know two hours is the max, um, and I'd love to go for a day ride one day and just to have that confidence Mm. and trust in him and myself that we will be okay because like I said I get to two hours and I think okay I've got to turn around and come back now because otherwise I'm a little bit too far away from home and a little bit out of my comfort zone but yeah you never know in five years time I could be riding next to you certainly won't be on an (laughs) Arab (laughs) I don't think my Frisian would quite cope but oh
2: there's there's lots of Frisians really Yeah. They like that. They're good at that. I could send you a beautiful photo of two Frisians having a fantastic ride.
1: Oh, do Oh, I bet they're wonderful to watch as well. Yes.
2: Yeah, the two of them, they were matching. Really lovely, lovely horses. Oh,
1: lovely. Um, (laughs) It is interesting, again, the different disciplines, how they need to gather support from, from the equestrian community. So we see a lot with volunteers in British eventing. And people spend days, you know, going to eventing Mm. trials and they'll stand and help. And how how do I'm presuming you need volunteers as well? How can. Oh, yes. Yes. I almost feel sorry for you, Jenny, because, you know, you're working really hard putting these events together. And and I just feel that we need to do a little bit more to support you, really. So if someone wanted to volunteer, how would they do that?
2: Um, either get in touch with egb central or give the ride organizer a ring or the group i mean they again would be very very welcome you need about 20 30 um, volunteers to run a ride depending on the size of the ride so you know there's always a job (laughs) yeah i bet A lot of rides are actually dependent on non-members you know dependent on families and friends and so on and non-horsey people even Mm. Um, but it is something that limits what you can do if you haven't got the uh, the helpers at a ride you you know you are a bit um, bit hampered Mm,
1: yeah and next year then so when you're doing your training throughout do you start your training in January what Mm -hmm. uh, what rides are you planning on going to
2: next year I'm not sure yet mm-hmm. <laughs> There's one ride that has taken my fancy And that's a ride up in on in the borders of Scotland um, mm. An 80k ride that might be of interest
1: <laughs> Oh, it sounds nice And the Royal uh, Windsor Horse Show, they do a big endurance ride, don't they?
2: Yes, they do um, um, a national ride as well as the FEI classes uh, But getting down to Windsor is a bit problematic for us oh, Because yeah, you're um, quite far, aren't you, in Yorkshire? Yes, yes but again, it's it's on my to-do list, my bucket <laughs> list. Um, I'd love to go and ride in the New Forest, but again, it's a long way down there. So, um, Oh, well, you're you know, welcome we ha-
1: to stay with me, Jenny. <laughs> you can pop Alfie in with Blackjack, he'll be fine. And then what we can do is I'll hack out with you for an hour and then there there you go, Jenny. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> i'll see no, you at home no, for you'd, dinner you'd
2: have, you'd have to come to the the ride with me because there's a ride down there the new forest ride new at uh, new park i think it is um so you'd have to come and do that
1: wow how long is that one that's got
2: all different distances full range
1: i guess the starting point like you said in the beginning then is a sponsored ride and starting out with that really isn't it
2: there's lots of sponsored rides to go on fun rides um but there are group rides run by egb or around the countryside Um, And they start at like 10k, which is only six, seven miles. So you could walk those. (laughs) I
1: could do that one. That's okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at the website then their website is endurancegb.co.uk well that's... Jenny thank you so much for your time I really appreciate
2: it no thank you very much it's been great
1: if we want to get in touch then we just head to the West Riding Endurance GB website which that's is it, yes. westridingendurancegb.com
2: that's it mm-hmm.
1: perfect well thanks so much Jenny I'm going to let you go and do your ponies now and um, and have a lovely evening
2: thank you very much
1: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Jenny's sponsored by Horse a high-quality, dust-free bagged forage, available in four varieties, high-fibre, timothy, ryegrass and alfalfa. They offer a choice suitable for all types of horses and ponies, including those prone to laminitis. If you'd like more information, just check out horseage.co.uk. Now, I hope you've had a good week with your horse. I've been super busy with Olympia which has been so exciting watching the FEI World Cup dressage on Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh my goodness, the music was incredible and, um, and it really does inspire me to have a go at riding to music a bit more myself. So I did get into the school today and had a go on blackjack. We actually nailed our quarter turns for the first time in four years. I managed to get him straight. So um, huge huge thanks to my riding instructor, Rachel Smith. She's a superstar. She always keeps me going when I'm about to lose my rag Um, with myself, never with blackjack. It's only my own frustrations. And uh, today it was a really good lesson. I felt positive about what we were doing. Um, I felt like we were going to achieve something. So maybe, you know, all this talk of psychologists and talking to Charlie unwin a few months ago I spoke to him again the other day actually and um, and he was talking about changing your mindset and being positive when it comes to riding because I'm positive in every other way but when it comes to riding for some reason I've got this real I've got no confidence and I just have no belief in myself and uh, so maybe that worked today maybe actually believing that the two of us could achieve these quarter turns is what made it happen. The truth is, I think it was Rachel just telling me what to do at the right time. <laughs> I think that's how we did it. But uh, no, I'm, I'm really chuffed. I had a, I've had had a good day today. Um, can't believe it's Christmas next week. Next Monday, I'm sorry to say, there won't be a podcast episode. I didn't think you'd want to listen to a Horse Hour podcast on Christmas Day because you'd be enjoying family time and that's what's important. But in the new year, we already have some awesome guests lined up for you. Um, veterinary experts and I probably should did shouldn't say yet, because it is a bit of a secret, but we could well be speaking to Harry Mead, which would be very exciting. I really, really, really want to talk to him. So um, it's not quite confirmed yet, but I am in talks. So fingers crossed we can have a chat with him next year and some other super guests as well. So 2018 is already lining up to be an absolutely awesome year for Horse Hour. I hope you've got lots lined up for, you know, whatever you're doing with your horse, whatever your goals are. New Year is always a time to be setting new goals and um, they don't have to be huge, major, crazy ones. My goal this year was to get back into a a school with Blackjack and actually start schooling him again. Because, you know, we we had to have a lot of time off and uh, I've been building up his muscles with hacking And I really wanted to get back into moving him forward from behind and uh, get him listening to my leg a little bit more and listening to me. So I feel like this year I've achieved something. So I have to have a think about what I want to do next year. And I'd love to know what your goals are and also what you've achieved this year. So for our new year horse hour on Twitter, our networking hour, just use the hashtag, hashtag horse hour. Please tell me, what are your achievements? What have you achieved this year? And what are your goals going to be for 2018? But more importantly, just have a really, really lovely Christmas. I really hope that you have a very special time with your family. And I look forward to speaking to you in 2018.
0: You've been listening to Horse Hour join the community on twitter mondays 8 p.m. uk time 3 p.m. eastern by using the hashtag horsehour follow amy at Stevenson one and subscribe to us on acast itunes stitcher and player fm hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter